it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. 7 a.m. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this week we are finally doing the classic 2003 teen film, What a Girl Wants, directed by Denny Gordon and written by Jenny Bix and Elizabeth Chandler, based on The Reluctant Debutantes, which is a play written in 1955. <laughs> which does explain a lot. And and because this movie is so layered and really carries so much pathos and meaning, uh, we needed to to bring on an esteemed guest to help us really unpack all of this. So uh, today we have the writer, comedian, you may know her from Reductress or The Onion, uh, Taylor Guerin. Thank you for hey. joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. This is a this is a movie that I think a lot of I think a lot of people remember this one or at least remember that they saw this one. Oh uh, yeah, and also uh, Denny Gordon is a returning director on this podcast because she also directed New York Minute. Yes, which uh, <laughs> is absolutely in my Hall of Fame. Um, New York Minute really like you know it really ties up the Mary Kate and Ashley era. It yeah yeah for better or for worse I'd say for worse but yeah yeah she also directed Joe Dirt so what <laughs> she directed Joe Dirt and she directed a Chinese film that's like her her last film credit she mostly does TV now but in 2013 she did this Chinese film and I was just looking at it what is it um it's called My Lucky Star which is another rom-com about a woman who gets caught up in an international diamond heist. So, (laughs) I mean, she, she contains multitudes. She, as as demonstrated by her IMDb. (laughs) Uh, so the stars, Amanda Bynes, Colin Firth, Kelly Preston, Jonathan Price, and a bunch of other British people. Um, the main dude is played by Oliver James, and I remember having a big crush on him when I first watched it. He plays Ian, and I'm trying to think if there's any other important people. Nope, that's it. Uh, there's, like, Eileen Atkins and, um... Yeah, I mean... Other British people. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of British people, and I'm I'm sure... Well, I'm Peter Hugo is Prince Charles, uh... I'm I'm sure there would be a British listener who would have maybe an emotional connection with some of these actors that we haven't formed. But uh, the the main ones are Amanda Bynes, Colin Firth, Kelly Preston, the very sexy Oliver James, uh, <laughs> <laughs> retroactively sexy at least, and uh, Eileen Atkins. And this is, I mean, this is you know, a fairy tale story of sorts, but it's also an Amanda Bynes hijinks film. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, this is one of like the many films where for a while Amanda Bynes was just like the cool girl. I don't even, but it's not even the same kind of cool girl thing where like she thinks that she's better than other people. It's like kind of like a, like a like a weird like oh I'm cool I had no idea even though everyone treats her like she's cool like <laughs> if that makes any sense yeah I think well I think it's interesting because like Amanda Bynes obviously came up as a comedian with her sketch show and everything but she was also like you know very pretty and part of this it girl era with like teen actresses who would be put in a lot of things and they'd be, they'd have this eight girl status, but then of course the media would eat them up. And so she was like in a weird space. I feel like Lindsay Lohan, Lindsay Lohan is like in the same basic category, but she was more overtly cool girl. Whereas Amanda Bynes was like funny, cool girl. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't even remember, was she involved in the, I can't remember how many people dated Aaron Carter and fought over Aaron Carter. Like, was it Hillary Duff, Lindsay Lohan, and Amanda Bynes, did they all date Aaron Carter, or do I just assume that they did? I mean, I don't know. 
I'm, I'm going to look this up right now. <laughs> I remember the Aaron Carter feud, but I don't remember who was involved. Remember when we cared about that? It was a beautiful time. <laughs> okay, so yes, uh, Aaron Carter did date Amanda Bynes. Um, back in 2013, uh, there was a whole, I mean, that was when Amanda Bynes was in the news a lot. Mm. Uh when she wasn't doing well, but then also there was an interview with Aaron Carter where he said he considers her his first love. Uh, and he says, I was with Amanda Bynes for nine months. It was a serious relationship uh, that took place. When he, it took place when he was 11 years old. And he says, we didn't do anything physical, but... <laughs> I feel like, okay, I feel like he also dated Hilary Duff. And maybe Lindsay Lohan was just over there dating that creep Wilmer Valderrama. I'm, I'm, I'm going to look up all the Aaron Carter stuff. <laughs> I remember, I mean, do you remember, uh, like, what, what was your impression of Amanda Bynes when you first saw this movie? Like, was she cool girl to you or, or like funny girl or both? I'm curious about people's experience with her. Who, me? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so I definitely get what you were talking about when it was like, uh, she was like this cool girl who didn't know that she was cool, which I'm not freaking buying. I'm sorry. They set up from the from the jump of the film that you like live in Chinatown in like a fifth floor walk up with your single mom. So it's like, not only are you like super cool, you're also probably a little bit broke. You're being raised by a single mom and a fifth floor walk up in Chinatown. Like those are the implications, right? So it's already setting up this kind of dynamic between her and anyone else in the rest of this film. She's like working class. She's like, you know, working for it, which to me, if you're working class, that automatically makes you cool, at least cooler than any rich people around. Do you know what I mean? Like inherently. Um, And her mom is in a wedding band. Yeah. (laughs) And like has traveled all over the world and is kind of like this hippie. And they're somehow like a mother, a white mother and daughter who are friends with every uh, person who lives in Chinatown around them. Like the, I remember them being friends with the Chinese food place downstairs with the laundromat. I'm like, okay, is this realistic? Probably not. But also I'm thrilled for them. So I guess the implication that she didn't know that she was incredibly cool is a little far-fetched to me because if I had met this person in real life, I would be like, wow. Um, I was going to say she's the man, but that's a little on the nose. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I was constantly transfixed like as a child and still like the way jeans fit Amanda Bynes like <laughs> it's so upsetting to see jeans fit that well because it's like well then why even try wearing jeans there's that's just no I'm point at. that's where I'm at I'm like skirts all day <laughs> I'm not doing this shit anymore especially after watching this film <laughs> yeah, he, he wore like the when the low rise jeans were really in I feel like Amanda Bynes was one of the five people who could pull that off mm-hmm, like actually mm-hmm. and it just ruined a lot of our lives for a few years <laughs> for sure I oh, no, like I, yeah I like was not old enough to be, or I was, I was not un-Catholic yet enough to be uh, like intimidated by the fashion because when this came out in 2003 and I was like not even a teenager yet, but I was like, uh, whoa, when I get a few years older and I am a white teenager, um, I'm going to be <laughs> just as cool as Amanda Bynes and I can't wait. Um I'm going to wear low-rise jeans. I'm going to wear shirts that are not even crops, but they, like, look crops because my jeans are so low. Oh, yes. Uh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, they're just yeah. regular shirts, but the jeans are, like, so far down your body that it's like, is this a crop top? Not really. Um, I'm going to wear some, like, e- eclectic jewelry. I'm going to, like, convince my mom to become a wedding singer. Like, it. this was aspirational to me, um, but only insofar as, like, the other – teen girl rom-coms of the early 2000s featuring an entirely white cast were aspirational to me. I was like, maybe I'll be white. Could be fun. <laughs> like the Freaky Friday, like, kind of school of movie. Exactly. Where it's like, I'm going to have one blonde streak. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter what else is going on. Like, I will have one blonde streak and my pants will barely cover my vagina and everything will be great. And that's fine because I don't have pubes yet because I'm 11 years old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's okay. Exactly. Exactly. 
even the poster of what a girl wants it's like amanda binds between these two like stuffy british guards and she's got her low-rise jeans and she's wearing like a t-shirt with an american flag on it and she's, she's getting like, a peace sign throwing up the peace sign and she's like i'm so chill right now can you believe how chill i am i also okay one thing that actually struck me about the poster is that that line like um trying to fit in born to stand out or whatever. I think it's, that's almost exactly what it says on the poster. Yeah, it's like, it's actually a really good log line. Like that's a really good way of like kind of summarizing what this film is about. And then I watched the film and I was like, Oh my God, they made that poor kid actually say that line in that film. <laughs> like, I don't know when they're in the canoe or what it's like, they're on oh. some kind of, he's like in the, they're like on the lake. He's, she's on the lake with that musician dude that she met at the hostel when they like first pull up. And, He's like, I don't know why you keep trying to fit in. You were born to stand out. And they start making out. And I was like, my first kiss is going to be so profound. Like, he's going to say something exactly right uh, that a writer got paid a lot of money to write. And then we're going to make out in a boat. And I can't wait. <laughs> Everyone is so obsessed with her. Like, yeah. From, like, just like her existence is just so, it's, it's transfixing. Like there's that, um, there's that stuffy British boy who gets like obsessed with her in a very like sexual way. Like he wants to like devour her. Yeah. It's weird. Is <laughs> <laughs> <His> Armistead. <laughs> And I, it was one of the few like notes that I was like, I had to return to this, just like that this teenager is named Armistead and he (laughs) just like, he, uh, yeah, he just looks like a possessed, um, like a a preteen Ken doll. Uh, and, and his classism, like, I mean, I, in some ways I liked that it was overt because like sometimes these movies just kind of ignore class, but he literally was so classes in such cartoonish ways he was like how would you he he calls uh ian the guy who you know the the cute guy who has like eight jobs he calls him a peasant and a commoner several times well because he works bro like you can't work you can't be like a real human being certainly not in britain are you kidding me Mm -hmm. i actually do appreciate the this movie for that is that it's like it's not just a rom-com. It's also tackling some kind of tricky things. And I feel like in a way that other rom-coms didn't, or I feel like lots of other ones are like, oh, will she or won't she? Like, will will they end up together or won't they? And this one is like, will they end up together? There are a lot of class and, uh, there are a lot of class and like, um, you know, socio-political factors that may keep them apart. Will they overcome them? Will she realize that she doesn't have to like fit in with these like incredibly rich people to be a person of value and she can like live her life and do what she wants and that's valuable. And I think that's important to teach the children. Yeah. 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 And, And it's like exactly kind of this mirror of her parents because, you know, her parents met and they like had this fling and then because you know Colin Firth is from money his family didn't approve of her mom of Amanda Bynes mom so then they split up because they they couldn't overcome that partly because Kelly Preston was like I'm not gonna wait around for you to get a backbone and partly because Colin Firth didn't have a backbone so then Amanda (laughs) Bynes kind of becomes Colin Firth when she goes abroad and then she's like she's presented with do I want to like take this you know, inheritance, this legacy from my dad, but then like turn down my roots, turn down this guy I'm into. Uh, and she actually makes the right decision. <laughs> she sure does. Cause she, she was, she cycle. was, she was trying to fit in, but frankly, yeah. she was born, she was born to stand out. Born to stand out. <laughs> you know, I was, I was thinking that like what a girl wants. Cause like essentially the plot is she finds out that her dad is like this like British kind of like royalty kind of guy, but he's like trying to be a person of the people because he's like, no, I would like to be elected. I want the people to like me. And everybody's just like, wow, what are you talking about? Just take power. Like the rest. of us. <laughs> Don't be difficult. Um, I will say actually the moment where, he kind of pivots like he, her father, Colin Firth sticks up for Amanda Bynes a couple of times during the film, which was beautiful. Of course he is like, it's not the whole time. And he definitely uh, leaves her in some pretty key moments. Um, but at the moment, the moment towards the end where uh, he finds out that 
his advisor, who is also his new fiance's brother. And they don't reveal that until like pretty far into the film, which is a little wild to me, but finds out that he actually knew that, um, Amanda Bynes mom was pregnant and like sent her back to the States. And when Colin first finds out that like his advisor knew that she had this daughter the whole time, he like punches him in the face. And I watched that and I was like, this couldn't yeah. have gone better. This couldn't well, have gone better. I he deserved that. Was, that. Like, honestly, kind of hot to me. Oh, super <laughs> I hot. Like, I was like, okay. And like, also, uh, the scene when Colin Firth is trying on his old clothes, which is like very peak Disney Channel original movie energy. When there's the, there's the um, montage of Amanda Bynes and Colin Firth trying on clothes, and she's trying to like bring out who he was when he met her mom. And then he goes home and he's like trying on these like pleather pants. Um and his fiance walks, she, like, in, walks and she, in. She's like, I don't know who you are anymore, which is such a funny reaction to someone so putting irritating. on. I just it's but it sums up so much. But watching Colin Firth try struggle to dance and check himself out in the mirror while wearing pleather pants was absolutely a highlight for me. Oh, for sure. One thing it's, I think that oh sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, that's that's all. One oh, thing that I was wanted to oh yeah I wanted to point out that the advisor is the dad not the brother <laughs> that's his dad oh that's yeah. her dad yeah that's her dad <laughs> that makes it even more problematic for me tbh <laughs> <laughs> um also okay kind of a plot hole which I guess makes sense with the fact that this is uh that his advisor is her dad is that why would it be better for this royal family that this person had a daughter with someone that he loved and married. Then this person married a woman who was divorced and already had a grown daughter. Not that that's an issue, obviously, but it seems like in a Royal family, like marrying in someone who is like not a part of the Royal family would be more controversial than being married to someone and having a baby with them. And then having that baby be technically Royal as we find out when she comes back and like is accepted immediately. It's well, so yeah. strange, you know? I mean, like, I don't I don't watch The Crown, but I am Jamaican, so I have read, like, <laughs> some stuff about it. And, like, basically, like, it was, like, Charles wanted to be with Camilla, but Camilla was, like, older and, like, fucked in her And I think that Camilla was divorced or, mm-hmm. like, is divorced at some point. But he had to, like, marry Diana because she was, like, young it was like implied that it was like she hasn't been with anyone so she's pure and like that's the whole like royal family thing so yeah it is weird that like he didn't just they didn't just like make him marry some like 20 year old right? or something like that's why would he be marrying someone who already has like a daughter from a previous relationship again i want to make it clear that that is not a problem it just right. doesn't make sense in the context of like the royal family yeah, no, like, no it doesn't logic of the movie is that exactly like the logic of the movie is that of course kelly preston and colin firth couldn't be together because you know she's pregnant and she's not from upper British class, like the upper class in Britain. Yeah. But then it's like, he's marrying a woman with almost an adult daughter. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's grown. She's like 17. Yeah. So I completely agree. It's a weird uh, disconnect in logic for one to be an issue and the other not to. And it's also interesting with uh, Kelly Preston, because I can't really tell if she actually wants to be with Colin Firth that's that the the chemistry there is hard to sell for me it feels like she never really wanted to be with him she had fun and then once she got to know his whole deal she's like i don't want to deal with this i'm out i also yeah yeah, i don't know (laughs) kelly preston and colin firth is not maybe it's just because i see him so much as like in the bridget jones movies but like yeah i feel like that vibe wouldn't work i feel like she'd get really irritated with him like pretty quickly i just think if you walk into your fiance's room and he's dancing and trying on pleather pants and you are judging him immediately for that like rethink your engagement you know what i mean (laughs) like if that was my situation i'd be like oh cool like can you let's put on some louder music and you should like dance louder but i'm also not a divorced member of the royal family so yeah that's it's fascinating because like colin firth is the middle of a love triangle in some ways right but i don't really believe that either woman is that into him one of them she's pretty clearly trying to secure more money more power 
And then the other one had a moment with him that I think was genuine, but she seems, I mean, Kelly Preston's character seems more Polly to me. Like she's just like, I'm doing. She absolutely is. Right. And she's, she's playing her music at weddings. I would never (laughs) met a wedding singer who was not also polyamorous. Like, let's be realistic. Yes, absolutely. If you sing at weddings, you also have a primary partner, you know? Right. Right. Exactly. And I can't imagine Colin Firth being open to that. Uh, I, I feel like that would be a big deal breaker. So it's funny that he is in the middle of these two women who kind of don't really seem to be into him. And I, yeah, it's it's a weird kind of romance because it almost feels like it's like Amanda Bynes trying to connect with her dad. And that's really the only relationship in the movie that works. Yeah. In my opinion, just like them eating Cocoa Puffs together, which I always love. That and scene I, is really cute. So yeah. Cute. And I was always like, I always loved that the Cocoa Puffs box is yellow for some reason. And I was just like, are they yellow in Britain? The British are strange. (laughs) That whole like very contrived, like uh, choreographed scene where they're like eating their breakfast in the same exact way. Like they put jam on their toast and then they fold it in half at the same time. And they like take a bite at the same time. And everyone at the table is just watching this father and daughter, like do this thing exactly. And like, so orchestrated. I'm like, is this realistic? Absolutely not. But does it have to be? No, I'm heart, my heart is warm. This is adorable and I love it. Like, I also really, the idea that this person just showed up and like Amanda Bynes just showed up and immediately they thought she was like paparazzi. And so he like scooped her up from outside and brought her in and sat her down and was like, who sent you? And she's like, I'm your daughter. And he's like, okay, immediate acceptance. Like, I love you. You're my daughter. Is like so She's like a teenager, though. It's weird that he thinks that she's paparazzi. It's like, she's like, what, like 15? Like, what? Yeah, I will say, like, I mean, so the plot, of course, I'm assuming listeners have seen it, but the plot, of course, is that Amanda Bynes wants to meet her dad. He's a lord. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) He's in the house of lords. He's a lord Dashwood. So she travels. She doesn't write him. She doesn't try to reach out. This is what I don't get. Why didn't she just write him a letter and send the photo and say, can I come visit? Like she doesn't even, it's not like he rejects her and then she goes to stop him. No, she just pulls up and jumps the fence. Yeah, like she immediately stalks him. And so she just, and we don't really even know how she has the money to go. I mean, we know that she has jobs. She works as a server, but that's that's an expensive plane ticket. Um, so it's interesting that she just flies there. Where is she going to stay? How is she going to pay for that? Of course, I'm always thinking about the money, especially since this movie is so much about that. Sure. And she just arrives and stalks him. And I don't understand why she never wrote him. And I'm also, I'm not sure if this is me not watching, not paying enough attention while I was watching, but did either of you, did you know whether she knew about him her whole life? Because I felt like it was unclear that when she found out that he was semi-royalty she just found out yeah okay. it's, a very, it's a very like princess diaries kind of thing mm, mm. <laughs> where she just like finds out except that like because he's renouncing his lordship she doesn't actually have to do any like she doesn't she doesn't have to worry about having a legislative career she just has to worry about whether or not people like her which just <laughs> It would, I mean, th- if if it, there were stakes, it would be the Princess Diaries and it can't be that. But I still just like, what are the stakes? It's like, whether or not this like small amount of white people like you, I mean, does it, <laughs> does it really matter? Listen, as somebody who uh, is a comedian on the alternative Brooklyn scene, sometimes that's what matters. <laughs> 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 but it, it's also just like, what is her journey? Like, Colin Firth goes on a journey where he like starts to accept who he is. I think a very similar journey to his Mamma Mia journey. (laughs) It's just like, yeah, like, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little weird and that's cool. And, you know, of course in that one, he finds out that he's queer, which honestly he reads queer in this movie too. (laughs) Yeah. I would love for Colin Firth to just actually be queer in movies. That would be great. More often, yeah. I mean, he's great. Um, if you ever watch, want to watch something sad, there's a movie called A Single Man, which is like Colin Firth um, mourning the death of his partner and trying to figure out, like, should I, like, go back and, like, find a new guy or should I just be sad? <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> is, Colin Firth, is Colin Firth straight in real life? Yeah. Interesting. 
Uh, but yeah, too, um, he has widower energy. Like it doesn't really matter what gender he was with; they're dead now. That's my on <laughs> <laughs> him. Uh, he just has that face, or at least dead to him in this case. You know, exactly. The, sure. the, the love is dead now. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I'm just starting to think. What is Amanda Bynes' journey? She goes. She meets her dad. She wants acceptance. She likes the sky, but like. Every single time she walks into a room, it's just like, oh, look, it's her. Like, everybody's like, like when um, her, her, like, the person who's, like, supposed to become her sister, maybe, or her stepsister, like, tricks her into wearing just regular clothes to this fancy event. And so she shows up in her regular clothes and everybody's just like, wow, it's so chic how she's, like, not even trying. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like, okay, so she finds out that he's semi-royalty, but she goes because she just wants to connect with her dad. But because of the bureaucracy of his position, then she's put in this place where she has to kind of perform for the public and be accepted by them in order to have these random breakfasts with him. Like, it's really (laughs) all that she can eat breakfast. Like, she's putting on these dresses, she's going to these events, but really she just wants to meet her dad. Um, And all of this is in the way. And somehow during all of this, she meets Oliver James. So that becomes, so she has this double journey of trying to get to know her dad, but having to interact with the public. And then also meeting this guy who's 17, but has eight jobs. <laughs> he works all the time. Like, what is he saving up for? I want to, I wish I had that kind of determination at right? his age. Yeah, he's really killing it. But yeah, I don't know why. I. <laughs> Wait, can I say something about that one guy? Um, So for most of the film, I was like, wow, what a bad British accent. Like he's putting it on and it's like so, it's so faint that it sounds like he is a British person that has lived in America for like, you know, upwards of two decades, but it's also not that good. And I was like, why wouldn't they just hire a a British actor for this? And then I looked him up and it turns out he is fully a British actor. Like he was trained in like England to be an actor. And I'm like, I don't really maybe I just don't know what a British accent sounds like. Like I don't, it sounded like everybody was putting on it in this, in this. Film, oh, I just remembered that he, this guy was in another one of these movies, these like it girl movies, raise your voice with Hillary Duff. Oh I think he God. was also Hillary Duff's love interest in that movie. <laughs> so much overlap. And also I was thinking, cause also when I watch this movie, I think about the Lizzie McGuire movie. Oh, too. Of course. Of course. Yeah. That's really funny that he is British. I didn't know that either. Yeah, the accent is poor, but it yeah, apparently it's authentic. So he just talks in a way that we don't like. <laughs> yeah, I just don't, I guess his voice is just irritating. <laughs> also, it's weird because he's forty now, and that gives me an existential crisis. Um, nothing against being forty, just like it just gives me an existential crisis. But he was a lot older than uh, Amanda Bynes when it was made. Yeah, he's six years older. Yeah. yeah, which at that age is a lot. Yeah, what is she like? Seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. If I was dating it, well, I was going to say if I was ever seeing a 23 year old when I was 17, but realistically, uh, I was on the, uh, punk rock and hardcore scene in my hometown. So was that out of the ordinary? Absolutely not. <laughs> they yeah. were, they were grooming us. Um, but if my mom certainly would have been, wouldn't have been happy. <laughs> Let's just say. That. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, uh, and they meet also, I think it's okay. So this is funny going back to Amanda Bynes arriving, stalking her dad and immediately having a place to stay. <laughs> Her first thing that happens when she gets off a plane is she goes into, I think it's a cafe, but it has a TV. It's a hostel where she's going to stay. Yeah. Oh, it's the hostel. It's the hostel, yeah. Okay, that makes way more sense. So that's where she meets Ian, a.k.a. Oliver James. Um, And he's playing guitar, of course, and he has long sleeves with short sleeves over, which is like, you know, the mating call. Hello. (laughs) He like turns his head slightly and they make eye contact and like the light shines off of her blonde streak and then like his, his hair swoop and you just know it's love. And, but then when they're in the middle of having this, I don't even remember what they said, but they're having this exchange that sets a precedent. Then she sees her dad on TV and just goes, that's my dad. That's my dad. I remember she goes, my dad. And he's like, Whoa, really? And it's just like, 
this woman just showed up to Britain and everyone is just buying her bullshit immediately. And Frank, I mean, admittedly it's not bullshit. She's telling the truth, but I just can't. And maybe I just have lived a different life, but I can't imagine pulling up to a hostel in Britain and seeing, you know, seeing a man, like a member of royalty on TV and being like, that's my cousin. And someone being like, of course it is. Well, we gotta, we gotta get you to her. Like, well, she's like so sincere, guys. Like she, like she wears t-shirts. That means that she's sincere. Yeah, she gets it. Like, she loves like a sneaker. You know, she doesn't need yeah. heels. Exactly. Except in that moment where she like at her coming out ball, where she like walks down that very quintessential, quintessential like, uh, you know, turn like a coming of age scene where it's like the two grand staircases that meet in the middle and she like walks down from one side and like poses at the top and she's just reborn. She has a tiara. Her hair looks beautiful. It's like in a, in a quaff and she has this like beautiful gown and everyone's like, Oh my God, look at her. And all the rich girls are like, Oh, why does she look like that? And all like the rich girls who she was nice to remember those like weird twins who exist for some reason. I love those twins. (laughs) There's two pairs of twins in this movie and they dress alike and it's like they're grown babies. I can't. They're so, they look like, they look like pageant competitors. The moment where she, Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no. It's just funny because, like, y- you can tell that, like, his, the dad's just like, I don't I don't know what to do with girls. I just, <laughs> I just, like, sh-. and they're just, like, so starved for attention and for, like, a motherly touch. And then Amanda Bynes basically, like, becomes their mom. She's In just two like, days. Transforms <laughs> them. Here's how you should dress. Here's how you get boys. And all of her advice is correct. <laughs> she also like they fully go from having like banana like pageant curls like six-year-old pageant girl curls to having like a chic blonde bob with like a bucket hat over it the next day and now they're just like the belt like everyone wants to be around them that's another reason i think why i don't buy that like amanda Bynes doesn't think that she's cool or doesn't know that she's cool because she literally transforms these two very uppity like twin girls from like high society into like cool new yorkers so i'm just yeah. like I'm not fine. She has the cred and she knows it. Like she, sure she does. Has- I mean, and, and does the cred make sense in this particular situation? No, it doesn't matter if you have New York City street cred when you're trying to join the like a royal family in Great Britain. Although I will say that times have changed. And if Meghan Markle can do it, any of us can. As yeah. long as we're like very light skinned and beautiful. She got her husband to divest from the dynasty. I mean, that's impressive. That's hot. <laughs> that's a fact. I, I do love, uh, and by love, I mean hate, the way that, like, whenever Megan does something, the royal family just, like, takes it as an affront. And it's not just the royal family either. It's, like, the Daily Mail specifically, which, I mean, they suck. But it's just, the, just like, so obsessive about it. Like, it's, like, it's so weird. It's, like, uh, we saw her playing Pokemon, but we prefer Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, <laughs> she's also very transparent. Like, every, like, anytime something like that happens, like anytime there's an article in like the daily mail or whatever it is, and it's criticizing something, somebody finds like a very similar look or like action that one of the other, uh, you know, first wives for lack of a better terms had like done and compares it. And it's like, Oh, well, why weren't you talking about princess Kate? Like this, or like, why weren't you talking about Diana like this or whatever? And it's like, we know why. We know yeah. why. No, yeah, we you know. don't have to. It's not like everybody knows. You don't have to point it out. They are being very transparently racist toward her. And it's wild because she, I mean, she's black. Like her mother is a whole black woman. But it's like, if you were going to get a black woman into the royal family, like truly Meghan Markle is like the most ex- acceptable, the most like t- palatable kind that you could have gotten. Yeah, Imagine, like, Cardi B pulling up to the royal family. Oh, I would love that. That thing is so weird because, like, I'm from Georgia, but I remember, like, the People magazine and all the tabloids campaigns for us to like Kate and Pippa Middleton. I specifically remember Pippa because I would be reading the tabloids and people, and it would be constantly just, like, look at Pippa's ass. Like, look what Pippa's doing today. And Pippa just looks like a reg... She looks like a soccer mom she just looks like a regular person but every single time i saw pippa middleton it was like look at this 
sex pot. <laughs> and I was just like, why do you want us to like her so much? And why do you want me to like Kate so much? Like Kate Middleton just looks like somebody from like the soccer team at my high school. Like I don't understand why. Right. I was- <laughs> but they were like pushing them so hard. And then with Meghan Markle, it's just like, look at this harlot. She was, she, you know, she acts, she's like a social climber. It's like she was on suits. Like if she was a social climber, she would be on a show. She was on, suit. she was on deal or no deal. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, look at, she's so like, she's so not right for him. Like she's so not right for him. And I'm like, okay, well, he found someone freaking gorgeous and tall and talented. Like, what else could yeah. you truly ask for except for her to be 100% white? And also just, like, royals are just, like, fucking dorks, which, I mean, movies like this prove that. They're just dorky people. Like, they should be lucky that anyone wants to be with them. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> especially especially that after- Say that again. I'm sorry. Well, I was just saying, like, royals have no skills. Like, you know, no, no, sexy is, like, their passion, you know, what they care about, what they spend their time doing. All they do is take photos, but they're not models. They don't have that skill. They're just, like, in photos, like, at the house. That's another thing is that I don't really understand why they would be so offended that somebody good-looking was going to join their bloodline. Like, you should be thanking Meghan Markle. She's safe. Like, they're so inbred. It's just so... You guys all look like, you guys all look like, like a potato that's been in the drawer for too long. Like, yeah, Princess like, Di really saved that. Like, Princess Di is the only reason why Harry or William, like, look attractive and at only all. only so much. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and only <laughs> so much. Like, so, so similar. Like, she's still, like, very white in, like, such a specific way that it's, like, if she was somehow, like, changing the bloodline, yikes. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Also, like, Kate Middleton, I have nothing against her, but I, yeah, I just don't care. Like, it's, it, it's the same energy as like I had a boss who would always show people pictures of his fiance and he tried to get us to objectify her. He'd be like, isn't she hot? And that's what the royal family feels like with uh, Kate and, and Pippa. But then with Megan, yeah. it's like they're so, I mean, the racism is just so overt. It, they're so it's, threatened it's by like, her. It's like Kate Middleton was cut out of, like, they made a fabric that was called Royal Wife and they cut her out. <laughs> she was just like a white yeah. woman with very normal features. Is she like beautiful? Yeah. Sure. And like looks good in like a two piece skirt suit and like can wear a sensible heel and is happy to give birth and then immediately put on a full face of makeup and a tailored outfit and walk outside and have hyperemesis syndrome for her whole pregnancy and just like keep it cool and it's totally fine just pop out a bunch of kids and you know what that's fine and some people are like made to do that and she did it and i love it but why be mad at somebody else who was doing truly the exact same thing she had a baby uh she had a megan had a baby fast and if right. Megan ever uh, like snapped and like got out the baseball bat, oh, I would love it. You oh, know, I would. Not, I would, I would love not love what she would experience if that happened. But if she ever was just like, oh fuck y'all, <laughs> <laughs> and Harry, because Harry would be on board because he's oh, like one hundred percent. He, I mean, if she falls out of love with him, it's over for him. Like, I think, yeah. yeah, he's I never. Think, like, oh. I said, I feel like Harry is like, he knows how lucky he is. Yeah. Every look that I see, like when I was, I watched their wedding, like the whole like hours, hours long thing. I watched it because, you know, as I said, I'm Jamaican. And and like, <laughs> like, and the whole time he was just looking at her, just like, I'm so glad that she's here. And I'm also worried that she's going to leave at any second. <laughs> but here's the thing is, you know, for a fact that he is so in love with her. And that is exactly why he's cool with getting all of the flack that he's getting from all of these people. Cause he could have just done what his older brother did and marry someone white and pretty and like Royal looking, you know, whose yeah. name is Kate Middleton. <laughs> <laughs> but instead he was like, no, I'm going to marry this woman who I'm so in love with. And I, I love her so deeply and I'm incredibly lucky and I will never get a woman who is like more beautiful than this. So I must just deal with the fallout from my family. And I yeah. love and respect that. That's a man. That's a whole man. Yeah. 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 He, uh, he has, I will say, I, I like Colin Firth's character in some ways, but he doesn't have the conviction of Harry. No, I'm not buying it. No, he doesn't. It's like, like okay, cool. You want to get elected, uh, move to Canada and buy a compound there and denounce your Royal family or so I know it's real. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
yeah, buy the compound with Kelly Preston, you know, and Amanda <laughs> Bynes and Ian can start a skate park there or whatever they want to do. I don't know. Truly. If he moved, <laughs> if he moved to Chinatown in this film to the fifth floor walk up and they stayed in the exact apartment that they lived in, then yes. I would have been like, all right, cool. I also, could see I could see Colin Firth living in like a, a like a chic artsy loft. Sure. Like, yeah. You think that Kelly Preston and Amanda Bynes spoke Mandarin or Cantonese? I kept thinking I always get obsessed with these details that don't matter for the full movie, but I was like, okay, no, you're in Chinatown and you're friends with everybody. You're probably like gonna because in Chinatown you can't rent apartments often because in unless you can speak Mandarin or Cantonese because the listings are like secret. Yeah. Like I was talking to a friend who's from China and she was telling me that. And I was like, that totally makes sense. So I'm like, yeah. I want Amanda Bynes to speak Mandarin in this movie. <laughs> like I want her to like stunt on the, the like monolingual, like rich girl in the UK as an American who can't speak anything except kind of English. I don't Barely know. I want English, to, yeah. yeah <laughs> like, I, I'm like, is this English? I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I was, I was like obsessed with that detail as well. I'm going to say, um, yes, she does. I'm going to yeah. hold on to the idea that she definitely does. Yeah, I like to think that because otherwise, there's a whole like narrative there. And you know, they're worldly. They got married yeah. by a Bedouin chief, which is like, what the hell does that even fucking mean? Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know how to touch that. Also, the implication, they were like, yeah, we got married by a Bedouin chief, but it technically doesn't count as legal because, like, we don't know what those crazy people in the desert over there are doing. Like, uh, it's like, all right, all right, all right. Let's, yeah, it was very much like that. Why don't we take it easy? Yeah, <laughs> like, the US government doesn't recognize this, so therefore, whatever. <laughs> it's like, like, that's how we mark our relationships. <laughs> I just... Oh, my God. So, okay, can we talk about... Ian, why is Ian playing? Does anyone else understand why Ian, the love interest who Amanda Bynes meets at a hostel and then keeps running into it things because he's working and then they go on a canoe. They have this canoe scene that feels very Little Mermaid. Um, (laughs) It's just like profound moments in the canoe. Why does he play music at the kind of castle place? Like, I, I don't understand how he got that gig. I wonder about that too. And I also remember hating that music. I can't. What specifically was it? Because I I did not rewatch the movie because I remembered so much of it, but I actually don't remember. I don't remember what kind of music he played, but I remembered that I hated it. So at first, sorry, go ahead. I'll I'll let you go. I was going to say at first it was like, it was like the kind of debutante situation, right? It was like all the, all the children were there and like all their parents were there. It was like a fundraiser or something. But first he's playing like very kind of stuffy, like ball music. And it's like, Good music that white people would like to play at, like a like a party, but you know stuffy ones. And then Amanda goes up to him and is like, like I forget what she even says, or she like whispers to him, and he starts playing uh, James Brown. That's what it. He oh plays a James God. Brown song. Oh, um, get up off of that thing. Yes, yeah, that's he plays what that. it was. I he should not be allowed to do that. I'm upset that there was no one on set that was like. Please don't do this. What about play that funky music, white boy? That could have been yes! funny. That could have been funny and ironic. It could have been lots of different things, but but yeah, no, he was just doing that. He was just doing that voice. I don't know what is up with white men in that voice. It reminds me when Anthony Michael Hall would do that voice, and I just you're not you're not even like close to black. You're not even like white chocolate. Like what are we? <laughs> it's, I don't white chocolate (laughs) no i mean there's like you know there's white chocolate like there's somebody that's like oh like that dude uh the drug dealer dude from euphoria that's white chocolate that is a white man of color but like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) okay you need to write an essay on this there's a couple in um but you know this 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 guy is just like i don't know just like a tan white man i guess tan ish anyway he kind of sucks i don't really i feel like she's i feel like daphne which is amanda Bynes. i don't know if we call we've said that her character's name is daphne but i feel like daphne would like dump him eventually i don't feel like that's gonna last he's also kind of like it's like a it's not a manic pixie dream girl situation, obviously, because she has like her own aspirations and is like doing her own thing. But it's like as soon as she is like doing something that she feels is the right decision in that moment, he's like, 
oh, well, call me when you're yourself again. Like, duh, duh, duh. I liked you when you were specifically this person that I can manipulate. And now you're this person who I can't manipulate into exactly what I want. So now I'm just going to like, not, I'm going to give you the cold shoulder and like ignore you and like not talk to you. It's like, he a little emotional. He's a little bit of an emotional terrorist. And I don't like that. It's like a weird, he reminds me of guys that like I dated that were like in their twenties when I was like 19, mm-hmm. where it's just like, they meet you and they have this idea of you. And they think because you're young that like, you are less likely to do unexpected things that they don't like. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, I've got this like younger girlfriend and I can like take her around and she's going to like follow me around and I'm, she's going to inspire me, but like not inspire me to be a better person. But like, you know? Yeah. It's literally just like, you're on your own journey of figuring things out and I won't be there for you until you get back to figuring out that you want to be exactly who the person I wanted you to be. Yeah. Like, it's so, I don't know, it's so on its face and so common, truly. And it's, it is hilarious for him to get mad at her when she she's basically just trying to have a relationship with her dad and she Literally. realizes she has to play the game. And then he's mad at her for doing that. But the only reason he met her was because of her dad living there. Yeah, it's It's just... I I totally agree with the read of him that he has this projection of her. And then when she's not living up to it, he's ready to cast her aside. And then I think she has a projection of him too. But I also think that's just the writing in the movie. Like we don't really know who he is. I mean, they have that one conversation where he reveals that, uh, was it his mom's side of the family or his dad's one side of the family has money and the other doesn't. And he decided to live with his grandparents who don't have money because he realized that the class system is fucked up. And that, and I do think, okay, sure, that gives us more context for him. That's why he has all these jobs. That's why he understands certain things about what she's dealing with that he wouldn't otherwise. But he doesn't really, there's nothing beyond that. There's just this one conversation, and then he's just there with his hair. <laughs> with his hair. <laughs> with his hair. You're not sure if he's trying to, like, style it with gel or, like, what he's doing. And that's the thing that's in all these movies is these guys who, like, vaguely maybe skateboard and I was always into. Um, yeah, but... I don't blame you. Yeah, I, I mean, but his character, it's interesting because I thought... Like, he's getting mad at her for playing the game because he decided to stop playing the game. But she's playing the game because she wants to get to know her dad. I mean, she was raised by her mom alone in Chinatown. So it's it's so hypocritical for him to get mad at her in that situation. When he, he has... Reminds- Oh no! What were you gonna say? That's that's all I. I said, say he that. reminds me of the love interest in the Mary Kate and Ashley movies, where like <laughs> his whole thing is just to like just like be a distraction and and an annoying one because it's never <laughs> really about him. Like that's that is my feminist read of Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movies, where the boys really don't matter. They're just the ones that they hang out with when they're like having downtime, and I do love how they ignore the boys when something important is happening or they use the boys for their plots and then they're just like okay cool we're gonna go hang out with our parents now bye (laughs) yeah absolutely because the real chemistry in this movie which one of you said maybe both of you have said already uh is between amanda Bynes and colin firth like that's the love story right and that's that's the moment that works like all the other relationships are just kind of there um and it and Ian really doesn't need to exist in this movie, except because this movie was marketed to people who are in who are teens, to teen girls largely. So they were like, "We have to put a cute guy in here because nobody wants to watch a movie about a girl getting to know her dad," <laughs> which is which which is not true. Like it's not true. But I think that that was the tone of these kinds of movies. Is obviously, you know, we need the crush, we need the teen crush because we yeah. don't want to dive into real real shit. Yeah. Oh. I would love I would love if they like went into like real shit. Like what if Colin Firth has like an anxiety disorder? I'd believe that. I'd want to know about that. <laughs> yeah. I want Colin I want Colin Firth to have desperately wanted children and not and never and never got the opportunity to. And yes. so this particular thing was like so devastating and now he has a daughter and he feels like he needs to do what he can to like make up for not being in her life. And they do that to a certain extent where it's like, oh, she's just like him. They eat toast the same way. But I'm looking for like, I wanted him to immediately be like, I don't even want to marry your ass. I just want to spend the next five years getting to know my spawn. 
<laughs> yeah, because I, I feel like they were really flirting with that. Like you said, like they start to go that way because yeah. he is really sad he didn't know her. Yeah. And and that's why he lets her stay and that's why they have these times. But it doesn't go all the way to him saying, I've always wanted to be a dad and yeah. I'm so sad I missed out. He's just like, Oh shit, you exist. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. I also don't really like that nothing ever really happens to the fiance and the fiance's daughter who like lock her in the fucking bedroom during the father daughter dance. Like nothing really ever comes of that. He's just like, why I oughta. And then he like punches the dad in the face, but it's like, what drop her in that moment and rip the ring off her finger. Like, give me something, you know? It's so like, I feel like the, well, cause in the end, the fiance ends up being with the father of the twins. The weird dude. Yeah. Who likes the chandelier so much. And it's just, oh yeah, because the chandelier breaks and he has like a fucking heart attack. He has like a meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, and it's just like, I guess the ending's supposed to be like, well, she wants she wants to be a social climber so much that she'll just like marry anyone. She'll marry she bols- whomever. Which also bolsters the fact that like she had no chemistry with Colin first. Yeah. At all. <laughs> which just maybe makes that casting make sense because they have no chemistry very clearly. So it's just like maybe that it was on purpose. <laughs> Yeah, he needs, like, I feel like Colin Firth needs, like, a weird woman to just, like, yell at him. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely agree. And, and Kelly Preston, you know, her character is, I don't know if her character is supposed to be weird. She's just supposed to be, quote, free-spirited and, you know, she's confident. She's doing her own thing. But, yeah, she's not the right kind of confident and free-spirited for Colin Firth like I can't yeah. really buy her yelling at him I just I just think she'd ignore him <laughs> yeah because well, yeah Agreed. it's like she's the kind of person that's like instead of like pushing him to change she leaves he mm-hmm. would probably need a woman that would be like no no you need you're to doing this immediately yes. this is what we're doing <laughs> yes absolutely and like even in like Bridget Jones, even though like you know she can be really passive sometimes, and she's just like writing in her diary instead of just asking the man a fucking question. <laughs> but there's like a part um, in one of the movies I can't remember if it was the first one or the second one where she was just like, "You can never muster up the strength to fight for me," and like that comes back when he like gets in a fight with Hugh Grant, and it's just like here he is fighting for you having the funniest fight ever <laughs> they have two the both fights the one that's in the first one and bridget jones the edge of reason beautiful fights just two men that do not know how to fight just like <laughs> slapping each other it is, it is beautiful last time i watched i rewatched that scene a few times just to just to really boost myself it gave me some serotonin that i needed I also, I want to say, I mean, this spoiler, but again, I'm I'm sure people can guess how this ends if they haven't seen it. I love that the ending of this movie involves Colin Firth giving a speech about how he can't, basically he can't do his job because he wants to be a dad. Oh my God. (laughs) Like he's basically like, I cannot be a Lord. I cannot, I cannot, um, hold this political office, run for this political office and do all of the things involved with it because I want to be a dad. And there are so many movies that we cover where a woman does this. She might not give a speech, but the whole movie is basically convincing her to give up her, you know, uptight career life so that she can fall in love with whatever guy gets in her way and bothers her. So it's funny that this movie flips that, but it's not even about him being with Kelly Preston, even though he does end up with her at the end. It's just about him being a dad to a 17-year-old. Oh, <laughs> I thought that was really cute. Well, yeah, it is It is super cute. And, I mean, he's got, like, such dad energy. He acts like very has, like, almost, like, British Danny Tanner energy. <laughs> trying to imagine a British full house. It is oh certainly a full house. Wow. Okay, I'm going to be thinking about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think this is around the time where we suggest another movie. But actually, number one, you can watch this movie. Like, I've seen this movie a million times. I watch this movie all the time, which is why I didn't need to watch it again, because I remembered every scene. Um, But if you... For basically for our younger listeners or for our older listeners who don't mind reading YA, I would just say read like the first like 
three princess diaries books like i don't know like her like that's the that's the thing that's actually missing from the princess diaries movies i'm one of the few people that do not like the princess diaries movies because i read the book and i'm a purist but there's like (laughs) there's like so much of stuff with like mia and her dad and like her dad in the book is like this like playboy who's like fucked all these people and now he's just like middle-aged and sad and like a very like melancholy figure and whenever they interact it's like actually really interesting and she's also got like the hippie mom and like all it's like a lot of the same ingredients honestly i feel like somebody whoever made this just like read the princess diaries and was just like how much can we change to make this kind of different (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a solid a solid suggestion because it is like a more expansive look at this kind of story. But then also this is on Netflix, so you know, people can do both. Yeah, right? you can do both. I would I would totally do a podcast where I would just reread the Princess Diaries books <laughs> because they are so different and I'm obsessed with talking about how different they are than the movies. That I would like, love to hear you do that. It's <laughs> like my weird obsession. But yeah, this is like good and like Amanda Bynes is great in movies like every movie that she's in she's great she's in like the first agent cody banks and like makes that totally watchable then the second agent cody banks i think as hillary duff because they were just they were just like passing each other and that i wonder if they liked each other (laughs) i want to know if they ever became friends because they were constantly doing the same shit i think the only thing that amanda (laughs) Bynes did that uh, the only thing that Hillary Duff did that Amanda Bynes didn't do is like have a singing career <laughs> truly yeah they have very similar trajectories I I hope uh Hillary Duff definitely dated Aaron Carter as well I did want to loop back to that and just confirm <laughs> I remember the Lizzie McGuire episode where, where he's there yeah yes yeah but I, I could see Hillary Duff and Amanda Bynes being friends because I mean Hillary Duff just seems like she's She's happy. She's a mom. She's got a good head on her shoulders. Yeah. She's like one of the more solid Disney people. And, you yeah. know, Amanda Bynes, I did want to say Amanda Bynes has like really been through it in the past couple of years. And like, yeah. I'm really happy that she's okay. Same, same. <laughs> you know, like I grew up with her and she's also like on all that when she came in, she was just like a little, she was like one of the youngest people on all that. She was and like she nine. Was, honestly, let's be honest, one of the funniest. She oh, yes, yeah, she came. She was no Keenan Thompson, but like you know, she yeah. was like a child, and she came on, and she was immediately killing it. She was immediately like funnier than most of the people on the show. She like elevated every sketch that she was in. She was, she was just like incredible. She's an incredible talent, and I know she's doing like fashion now, and I hope that you know that's going well for her. And I mean, yeah. we're gonna talk about her on the podcast again, but I just wanted to say oh, that I'm an Amanda Bynes fan. I'm also a her. fan, and I'm happy that. <laughs> As, as someone who grew up solidly a Nickelodeon kid and not a Disney kid, not that I'm hating on Disney kids, you guys are just like kind of weird. Um, I, <laughs> Amanda Bynes was like one of my early role models and early like kind of comedy aspirations. Um, and I was deeply, deeply jealous of her as a aspiring child actor as well. But she made it very easy to also like her. So yeah. she's, just, she's just great. And I'm, I'm thrilled. Amanda, if you're listening, thrilled you're doing well, Miss Bynes. Keep it up. Yeah. Yeah, we're ready. We're ready. If you ever decide to be in a movie again, I'm going to ready for a comeback. Absolutely. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Because we haven't seen her since like Easy A. So I would love to see. She'll be back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a matter of time. (laughs) So Taylor, do you have anything to plug? Um, Yeah, I do um, a follow Friday interview on Vulture's Instagram Live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern, except for this coming one for the holiday. Um, But tune into those. I get to interview someone very funny every week. And um, yeah, just follow me on Twitter and Instagram at at Taylor Garrett. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And thank you so much for having me. This seminal film with us. Oh, and I could talk for a two and a half more hours. So I'm going to go now before I bore you guys. <laughs> uh, trying to think. I guess, you know, I mean, I think by the time this comes out, um, n- no, by the time this comes out, it'll be before Thanksgiving. It'll be, yeah, it'll be like the day before Thanksgiving. So, you know, have a good holiday. Thank um, you. You know, be safe. 
Um, we're staying right here. So yeah, if you're going to be, yeah, I mean like everybody, you know, the, to you and to all the listeners. Oh, I thought we had already stopped. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh no, it's okay. You know, everybody, you know, be safe. Uh, if you're going to be outside, wear a mask. Um, not going to like shame anybody. I am going to be asleep. Probably. That's probably what I'll be doing Thanksgiving. Um, and yeah. you know, please give us a five star review on iTunes. Give us attention. We like attention. Oh, love it. Love attention. Okay, we're all gonna say bye. All three of us. <laughs> I'm, I'm making it clear now because we do this every single time. Where it's like two of us say bye, and then one person's like, "Wait, when do we get?" And they're like, "What is going on?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm ready. I can't wait. All right. I'm Jordan Searles. I'm Bronwyn Isaac, and I'm Taylor Garen. Bye. Bye. See y'all. Uh, yeah.